We get it. You're busy. You don't have time to waste on the mainstream media. That's why Salem News Channel is here. We have hosts worth watching, actually discussing the topics that matter. Andrew Wilkow, Dinesh D'Souza, Brandon Tatum, and more. Open debate and free speech you won't find anywhere else. We're not like the other guys. We're Salem News Channel. Watch anytime on any screen for free 24-7 at snc.tv. And on Local Now, Channel 525. You cannot just plant one foot in the Lord and just plant the other foot in the world and think it's all good. Welcome to Core Truth Radio, a radio ministry of Core Church Los Angeles with pastor and Bible teacher Steve Wilburn. Pastor Steve will be teaching the Word of God with truth right from the Bible. For more information, go to corechurchla.org. For today's Core Truth, we're picking up in part two of our message titled Different Paths, where we're talking about Lot's compromises leading him right into Sodom. Let's not forget Lot's progression leading to his downfall. First in chapter 13, the Bible said that Lot lifted his eyes towards Sodom. He looked at it. Wow, what's that over there? Wow. What you got going on over there? (laughs) Second, it said he pitched his tent toward Sodom. So he pulled up a chair and he stared at it. And when you just keep staring at something, oh, got to have it. Got to have it. Got to have it. He was consumed with it. Third, in chapter 14, we're told that Lot moved to Sodom. I'm I'm not going to be part of it. I'm just going to live in it. Oh, I won't do the exceeding wickedness here. Oh, no. But I'm just going to live in it. Fourth, in chapter 19, Lot sat at the gates, meaning he became a leader. He fully assimilated into the culture of the city. Compromise is a progression of steps. And it leads us to fail and to fall. Remember what Satan's MO is? His mode of operation. Jesus said, he comes to kill, steal, and destroy. He tells us he's the liar and the father of lies. Whatever it takes. Oh, come on. Everyone's doing it. No one's going to get hurt. You're two consenting adults. You're not hurting anybody. We're all good. That's what he says. If it happened a lot, It can happen to us. Yes, this is a picture of how compromise weakens us. It weakens our moral judgment. It blurs our image of what is right. Lot was saved by the grace of God. We're told he's in heaven. God is merciful. Yet his life on this side of heaven This life on this side of heaven proved to be unproductive and worthless. No spiritual fruit for you. Lot is a warning to all believers not to love the world. Don't get too cozy and friendly 
with the world. The Bible says in James 4, 4, he says, you adulteresses, do you not know that friendship with the world is hostility towards God? Therefore, whoever you are, you claim to be a Christian. Okay, great. That's wonderful. Whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy with God. So you're getting all cozy and cuddling up and put your arm around the world. You're flying your fist in God's face. You say, no, 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 I love the Lord. You cannot just plant one foot in the Lord and just plant the other foot in the world and think it's all good. Look, we're all sinners. We all make mistakes. But as believers, we'll never be sinless. But as you follow Christ, you sin less and you sin less and you sin less. And that's what separates us from the world. We'll never be sinless, but we're different. We're different. And it's obvious. Amen. There was a huge, huge contrast between Abraham and Lot. The Bible records Lot as a righteous man. Okay. Through the eyes of God and his grace. Yet as we've seen, Lot is a man whose faith is suspect, who's only saved by God's mercy. But as we have seen, Abraham took a completely different path in his life, did he not? He was a man who believed God, and it was counted unto him as righteousness in right standings with God, because even though he had sin in his life, the thrust of his life was to glorify God. Listen to how the Bible recounts the life of Abraham in the New Testament in what we know as the Hall of Faith. Hebrews 11.8 says, By faith, Abraham, when he was called, oh, he obeyed God. He obeyed him by going out of the place where he was to receive an inheritance. And he went out not knowing where he was going, like, God, where do you want me to go? I don't know, I just want you to go. Okay, I'm going. Well, Lord, where do you want me to go? I don't just keep going. And he didn't know where he was going, but it says in verse 10, Abraham was looking for a city which has foundations, who architect and the builder is God. I want to go where God wants me to go. I want to be part of a church that that God wants me to be part of. I want to serve. I want to make sure that this place is a light that shines in this dark city we live in. Me and my wife prayed for 20 years, all the way back when I was at Gary Soros' home Bible study. Lord, if there's ever a day that you could just bring us on staff. It was Gary Soares. As you know, as many of you know, I've shared over years how me and my wife, we moved back to to the Washington, Washington, D.C. area. It was Gary that drove the van back with me, the truck. And it's like, remember when we were in the gas station? Remember that other truck that was just like ours? And I was telling the guy, yeah, our truck runs like 80 miles an hour. And the guy was like, these trucks don't go 80 miles an hour. They only go 55 miles an hour, barely 55. I'm like, well, ours goes 80. And he's like, yeah, right, what an idiot. And then so we went in and had breakfast or whatever came out, filled up the truck. And like a half hour later, we caught that guy on the road and we... (laughs) This has nothing to do with the study. (laughs) It just came in my mind looking at Gary. <laughs> I said, hey, Gary, look up there. See that little dot up there? That's that guy. And we just... <laughs> and it's like, he's right. His truck only went 50. <laughs> it's like, anyway. Okay, so I said, I was speeding. Okay, there it is. I'm guilty. All right, all right. All right. Okay, just uh, no one's perfect. Okay. 
But Abraham, was he a perfect man? Absolutely not. Did he make mistakes? Serious mistakes? Yes, he did. Did he fall? Yes. Did he fail? Yes, more than once. If you remember back, remember, you know, we're in chapter 20 now. Remember back in chapter 12? When Abraham went down to Egypt, you know, things were starting to get rough. So instead of him leaning on the Lord and saying, God, what do you want me right here? He ran back to the big city in, in Egypt and, and, and he went there. That was some 25 years ago. So from chapter 12 to chapter 20, 25 years has gone by. And Abraham, when he went into, the, into Egypt, he told Pharaoh, Pharaoh that his wife, Sarah, was his sister. Why? Because she was a full-blown fox. She was beautiful. She was stunningly beautiful. So he's thinking, I got to watch out for myself. They're going to see how beautiful you are. They're going to want to take you and they're going to kill me. So just tell everyone that you're my sister. So they went in there. So Pharaoh's like, wow, that's a fine woman, man. How, how's it going? And, he, and it's just like, oh, that's my sister. Yeah, yeah, I'm your sister. And it's just like, so Pharaoh's like, great. Come on with me. Let me throw you in my harem. And that's when God had a little message for Pharaoh. Hi, Pharaoh, how's it going? You touch that woman, I'm going to kill you. (laughs) And it's just like, oh my goodness. And he went back to Abraham. You told me that was your sister. It's like, what are you doing bringing a curse on me? So you think, you know, boy, that's pretty bad when you get, you know, caught on the carpet by the non-believer, okay? Oh, you're the Christian. Here, you, you, you called up, oh, I'm, I'm really sick. Oh, I, I don't feel good. Oh, okay. And then you're down, you know, surfing. <laughs> it's like, I thought you were sick. Oh, oh, oh. And you call yourself a Christian. Oh, oh boy, nothing worse than getting called on the carpet by the non-believer. But this does bring up our point. More mistakes. More mistakes, picking up in Genesis chapter 20, kind of a long text of scripture, but we got to, you know, we got to read the context. We got to know what happened here. Verse one, chapter 20, verse one. Now, Abraham journeyed from there towards the land of Negev and he settled between Kadesh and Shur. Then he sojourned in Gerar and Abraham said to Sarah, his wife, she is my sister. She's my sister. (laughs) So Abimelech, king of Gerar sent and he took Sarah because look, here's 25 years later. Gosh, she's still looking fine, man. Girl, you got your groove on, man. You're looking good, man, you know. And so so God came to Abimelech in a dream in the night, and he said to him, Behold, you are a dead man. Oh, you're done, buddy, because of the woman whom you have taken, for she is married. Now Abimelech had not come near her, and he said, Lord, you're going to slay a nation? You know, even through, even though blameless, verse five, did he not, Abraham, not say to me, she's my sister? And she herself said, he is my brother in the integrity of my heart and the innocence of my hands. I have done this. Like, I didn't know. Verse six, then God said to him in the dream, yes, I know that in the integrity of your heart, you have done this. And I, I also kept you from sinning against me. Therefore, I did not let you touch her. Verse 7, now, therefore, restore this man's wife, for he is a prophet, and he will pray for you, and you will live. But if you do not restore her, know that you shall surely die, and you and all who are yours. 
Verse 8, so Abimelech, he arose early in the morning. Yeah, I guess so. Oh, man, get, get rid of this woman, man. It's like, and he called all of his servants, and he told them all the things in their hearing, and the men were greatly frightened. Yeah, they were petrified. We're all going to die. It's not that because of COVID. God's going to kill us, okay? Verse 9, then Abimelech called Abraham, and he said to him, what have you done to us? And how have I sinned against you that you have brought on me and my kingdom a great sin? You have done to me things that ought not to be done. Oh, <laughs> getting roasted here by the non-believer. Verse 10, and Abimelech said to Abraham, what have you encountered that you have done this thing? Abraham said, well, because I thought surely there was no fear of God in this place and they will kill me because of my wife. Because, well, she's a stone-blown fox. I mean, look at her. That's why you took her, okay? Verse 12, besides, she actually is my sister, the daughter of my father, but not the daughter of my mother. This is before the gene pool got all messed up. So, okay, a little bit of, you know, stuff going on there. And she became my wife, verse 13. And it came about when God caused me to wander from my father's house that I said to her, this is the kindness in which you will show me. Everywhere we go, say of me, he is my brother. Verse 14, Abimelech then took sheep and oxen and male and female servants, and they gave them all to Abraham, restored his wife Sarah to him. Abimelech said, behold, the land is before you. Settle wherever you want. Hey, have the best of the land. Take whatever you want. Here's a bunch of servants. Here's, here's some animals. All of this, verse 16, to Sarah, he said, behold, I've given your brother a thousand pieces of silver. Your brother, uh-huh, your husband, behold, it is your vindication before all who are with you, and before all men you are cleared. Abraham prayed to God, and God healed Abimelech and his wife and his maid so that they could bear children. He says, for the Lord had closed up all their wombs of the household of Abimelech because Sarah, Abraham's wife. Wow. You got to read the text. That's what we do. You got you to gotta know what happened here. Nothing escapes God's eyes. He sees it all. Well, here we have God's man, the true believer, again, being rebuked by the non-believer once again. Ouch. I hate when that happens. This is why we must always be on guard. We are always to act uprightly before men. As believers, how we act and how we react matters in everyday life. Because if you look like everyone else looks, then you have no witness and no power in your life as a believer. But when we're different and we're honest and we choke up to things and we say, yeah, that was me. Like what? Everyone denies it. No, that was me. I did. I'm so sorry. It's like that makes you different because we never know who's watching. And we never know who we're talking to and where the conversation is going to go. You know, see, we get caught up with the people we work with, right? And it's like, oh, I know that person. Oh, man, they would never listen. Look at them. Oh, they would never listen. That person would never listen. And then we're just like charity church mouse. We just don't say anything. We should be saying something. You know, we look at people and we get all caught up in how they look, right? I mean, it's like, you know, people have, you know, crazy hair, you know, funky, funky hair. You know, they have crazy dress code. They got so many piercings on their body today. Look like they got in a fight with a sewing machine and lost Covered with tattoos. Oh, man, they're gnarly, man. They wouldn't listen. Yet regardless of how anyone looks outwardly, we have no concept of the condition of their heart. A lot of times those people that dress the most radical and everything, they're the most insecure. 
That's why they're doing all this. Oh, look at me, look at me, look at me, because I'm so insecure. Oh, I'm not like anyone else. I'm an individual. Yeah, you're an individual like everyone else that dresses the same way. But someone that looks like a total rebel, they could really be crying out for help. You know, someone that is totally looking successful, I'm a successful person. Look at the way I dress in my car I drive. Could be longing for love. Someone who looks confident and outgoing could really be insecure and scared on the inside. See, the thing is, you don't know, but God knows. We can't tell by looking at the outward, but God sees the heart of every soul. He reads the mind of every person. He knows the pains of every heart. This is why we must live out our faith. We must be honest. We must walk with integrity as believers. And then we must be willing to reach out to people that are around us with the unchanging message of the cross. God knows everything. But the bottom line, though, is everyone is freaked out about it. We have a message of hope to not be freaked out about it. We have a message that says, you don't have to be afraid. That's what our message is. And that's what God has given us. Yes, every heart needs to be touched with the life-changing message of the cross. It's hard to believe that Abraham had forgotten the harsh rebuke that he received from Pharaoh 25 years earlier for the very same thing of lying about Sarah not being his wife. But here we again, we can't judge Abraham too harshly here, you know, because Well, we've done the same thing, right? (laughs) We've done the same thing. So it's like we've committed it more than once, different sins, and so did he. You know, we've slipped over the same pit many times. Why? Because we're prone to sin. We're all prone to sin. We were prone to do the wrong thing. Maybe that's why Peter said this in 2 Peter 1.12. He says, therefore, I will always be ready to remind you of these things, even though you already know them. Like I'm going to remind you at church that we have to guard ourselves, that we have to stand you know, firm with the Lord, that we need to share our faith with Christ. Why? Because, because we forget. That's why Peter went on to say, I consider it right as long as I'm with you in this earthly dwelling, as long as I'm in this body to stir you up by way of reminder. I have to remind you of these things. That's why God says, don't forsake the assembling of the brethren. We need to come together. We need to lean on one another. Yes, Peter said it twice that we need to be reminded of what we might already know. Again, why? Because we have a way of forgetting the who, what, and how we are to live at times. Yes, just like Abraham, you and I will simply mess up from time to time. We will totally fail and fall on our face and do what we know that we're not supposed to do. I love that verse in 1 John 1.8. It says, if we say we have no sin in our lives, we're liars because we do have sin in our life. But the good news is, he goes on to say, but if we confess our sin, if we agree with God, he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So really the problem with Abraham was this. I'm afraid. That's what it really is. Oh, if I go down there and they see my beautiful wife, they're going to kill me and take her. I'm afraid. What does God say? God has not given us a spirit of fear but of power and love and a sound mind. So Abraham's issue was he was not trusting the Lord. He was not trusting the Lord. Proverbs 3.25 says, Do not be afraid of sudden fear, nor of the onslaught of the wicked when it comes, for the Lord will be your confidence, and, and he will keep your foot from being caught. It's like the Lord will keep us safe, but don't walk around in fear. My life will not be taken 
until God is done with me. And then my life will be taken. Not a day before. Abraham should have trusted the Lord. And because he didn't, he's now facing, again, shame from another rebuke from a non-believer. And the only reason Abimelech had a remorseful heart, the only reason he was sorry, is because God put some serious fear into the soul of that man. Verse 7 said, God says, hey, I just want you to know, Abimelech, you lay one finger on Sarah, I'm going to roast you, okay? You're going to get roasted, okay? And so, of course, you know, he bailed on that. But did you notice how Abraham started making excuses in verse 12 as he tries to cover up? Well, you know, he's my half-sister. Stop it. Just confess your sin. Move on. You know, Sarah was your wife, period, okay? She's been your wife for decades, okay? It's like, you're right. I sinned. I shouldn't have said that. I am sorry. I threw my wife under the bus again to save your own hide instead of clinging to the Lord in times of trouble. Yes, it's easy to take the easy way out. We as Christians will continually be tested and will be tried. Let's learn from Abraham and let's not make the same hasty decision. Let us wait upon the Lord for his strength. Yet even in the midst of Abraham's sin, oh, God's grace abounds, right? His grace abounds and he does in our life too. And he is allowed to have his choice of the land. And now God just blesses him, blesses him with animals, gives him his choice of the land. I mean, God just pours it out on him because ultimately Abraham loved the Lord. Yes, in spite of Abraham's failures, he had a legitimate ongoing relationship with God. This just goes to prove that God will never leave us or forsake us in spite of us and our poor choices at times, which brings up our final point, a promise fulfilled. Because God always keeps his promises. Let's read here, picking up in Genesis 21, verse 1 says, Then the Lord took note of Sarah. Oh, that word took note of Sarah. Oh, he remembered Sarah. Oh, yeah, you've been thrown under the bus, girl. Your husband's dogged you a couple times. But I took note of Sarah. And he said, And the Lord did for Sarah as he had promised. What was the promise to Sarah and Abraham? Oh, you're going to have a baby. Oh, she's been, her womb's been closed for 90 stinking years, but you better get your groove on, girl, because it's going to happen, okay? Verse 2, so Sarah conceived, oh, she got their groove on, the candles were lit, the lights were turned down, okay. So Sarah conceived, and she bore a son to Abraham in his old age. That's why he was like, don't you dare touch that woman. I don't want anyone questioning where that baby came from because this is all God. He says, and she bore a son in his old age and appointed him as what God had spoken. Verse 3, Abraham called the name of his son who was born to him, whom Sarah bore to him, Isaac. Then Abraham circumcised his son on the eighth day. And as God had commanded him, verse 5, now Abraham was a 100 years old. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. And his wife's 90. Obviously, she's still looking good at 90. Okay. Hey, girl, do you use some Botox? What's going on? (laughs) What's your secret? Anyway, and it's like, so a 100 years old, when Isaac was born to him, Sarah said, God has made laughter for me. Everyone who hears will laugh with me because she can't believe it. I'm a 90-year-old woman. I just had a baby. And she said, 
Who would have said to Abraham and Sarah would nurse children? Yet I have bore him a son in his old age. And the child grew up and was weaned. And uh, and Abraham made a great feast on that day that Isaac was weaned. Now Sarah saw that the son of Hagar, the Egyptian, remember that whole that whole thing went down, whom she had borne to Abraham, mocking. So now you got Ishmael, the wild donkey of a man. He's mocking his little brother here being born. Therefore, she said to Abraham, drive out this maid and her son. Get him out of here. For the son of this maid shall not be an heir with my son Isaac. In the matter distressed Abraham greatly because of his son. I mean, Ishmael was still his son through the maid, but it was still his son. Verse 12, but God said to Abraham, do not be distressed because of the lad and your maid. Whatever Sarah tells you to do, listen to her. This is where every wife gives the nice junk to her (laughs) husband's ribs. (laughs) Listen to your wife. The Bible says it. Okay. For through Isaac and your descendants shall be named. And of the son of the maid, I will make a nation also because he is your descendant. Verse 14. So Abraham rose early in the morning and he took bread and a skin of water and he gave it, gave them to Hagar, putting them on her shoulder. And he gave her the boy and sent her away. And she departed and wandered about in the wilderness of Beersheba. That's all the time we have for today's message. You've been listening to pastor and Bible teacher Steve Wilburn of Core Church Los Angeles. If you'd like to hear more messages by Pastor Steve, download the Core Church Los Angeles free app available on iOS and Android. Core Church is sponsored by and a listener-supported outreach of Core Church LA. If you have been blessed by this program, consider supporting our radio ministry by texting Core Church LA one word, that's Core Church LA to 77977. And remember, there's a God in heaven who loves you. 